Moby Dick, or The Whale, by Herman Melville. Chapter 88. Schools and Schoolmasters. The previous chapter gave account of an immense body or herd of sperm whales, and there was also then given the probable cause inducing those vast aggregations. Now, though such great bodies are at times encountered, yet, as must have been seen even at the present day, small detached bands are occasionally observed, embracing from 20 to 50 individuals each. Such bands are known as schools. They generally are of two sorts, those composed almost entirely of females and those mustering none but young, vigorous males or bulls, as they are familiarly designated. In cavalier attendance upon the school of females, you invariably see a male of full-grown magnitude, but not old, who upon any alarm evinces his gallantry by falling in the rear and covering the flight of his ladies. In truth, this gentleman is a luxurious ottoman, swimming about over the watery world, surroundingly accompanied by all the solaces and endearments of the harem. The contrast between this ottoman and his concubines is striking, because while he is always of the largest leviathanic proportions, the ladies, even at full growth, are not more than one-third of the bulk of an average-sized male. They are comparatively delicate, indeed. I dare say not to exceed half a dozen yards round the waist. Nevertheless, it cannot be denied that upon the whole they are hereditarily entitled to un bon point. It is very curious to watch this harem and its lord in their indolent ramblings. Like fashionables, they are forever on the move in leisurely search of variety. You meet them on the line in time for the full flower of the equatorial feeding season, having just returned, perhaps, from spending the summer in the northern seas, and so cheating summer of all unpleasant weariness and warmth. By the time they've lounged up and down the promenade of the equator a while, they start for the oriental waters, in anticipation of the cool season there, and so evade the other excessive temperature of the year. When serenely advancing on one of these journeys, if any strange suspicious sights are seen, my Lord Whale keeps his wary eye on his interesting family. Should any unwarrantably pert young leviathan coming that way presume to draw confidently close to one of the ladies, with what prodigious fury that bashaw assails him and chases him away. High times indeed, if unprincipled young rakes like him are to be permitted to invade the sanctity of domestic bliss. Though do what the bashaw will, he cannot keep the most notorious Lothario out of his bed. For alas, all fish bed in common. As a sure, the ladies often cause the most terrible duels among their rival admirers. Just so with the whales, who sometimes come to deadly battle, and all for love. They fence with their long lower jaws, 
sometimes locking them together and so striving for the supremacy like elks that warringly interweave their antlers. Not a few are captured having the deep scars of these encounters. Furrowed heads, broken teeth, scalloped fins and in some instances wretched and dislocated mouths. But supposing the invader of the domestic bliss to betake himself away at the first rush of the harem's lord, then it is very diverting to watch that lord. Gently he insinuates his vast bulk among them again and revels there a while, still in tantalising vicinity to the young Lothario, like pious Solomon devoutly worshipping among his thousand concubines. Granting other whales to be in sight, the fishermen will seldom give chase to one of these Grand Turks, for these Grand Turks are too lavish of their strength, and hence their unctuousness is small. As for the sons and daughters they beget, why, those sons and daughters must take care of themselves, at least with only the maternal help, or like certain other omnivorous roving lovers that might be named, my lord whale has no taste for the nursery however much for the bower. And so being a great traveller, he leaves his anonymous babies all over the world. Every babe an exotic. In good time, nevertheless, as the ardour of youth declines, as years and dumps increase, as reflection lends her solemn pauses, in short, as a general lassitude overtakes the sated Turk, then the love of ease and virtue supplants the love for maidens. Our Ottoman enters upon the impotent, repentant, admonitory stage of life, forswears and disbands the harem, and grown to an exemplary, sulky old soul, goes about all alone among the meridians and parallels, saying his prayers and warning each young leviathan from his amorous errors. Now, as the harem of Wales is called by the fisherman a school, so is the lord and master of that school, technically known as the schoolmaster. It is therefore not strict in character, however admirably satirical, that after going to school himself, he should then go abroad, incalcitating not what he learned there, but the folly of it. His title, schoolmaster, would very naturally seem derived from the name bestowed upon the harem itself, but some have surmised that the man who first thus entitled this sort of Ottoman whale must have read the memoirs of Vidicot and informed himself what sort of country schoolmaster that famous Frenchman was in his younger days, and what was the nature of those occult lessons he inculcated into some of his pupils. The same secludedness and isolation to which the schoolmaster whale betakes himself in his advancing years is true of all aged sperm whales. Almost universally, a lone whale, as a solitary leviathan is called, proves an ancient one. Like venerable moss-bearded Daniel Boone, he will have no one near him but nature herself, and her he takes to wife in the wilderness of waters and the best of wives she is, though she keeps so many moody secrets. 
The schools composing none but young and vigorous males, previously mentioned, offer a strong contrast to the harem schools. For while those female whales are characteristically timid, the young males, or 40 barrel bulls as they call them, are by far the most pugnacious of all leviathans and proverbially the most dangerous to encounter, excepting those wondrous grey-headed grizzled whales sometimes met, and these will fight you like grim fiends exasperated by a penal gout. The 40 barrel bull schools are larger than the harem schools. Like a mob of young collegians, they are full of fight, fun and wickedness, tumbling round the world at such a reckless, rollicking rate that no prudent underwriter would insure them any more than he would a riotous lad at Yale or Harvard. They soon relinquish this turbulence, though, and when about three-fourths grown, break up and separately go about in quest of settlements, that is, harems. Another point of difference between the male and female schools is still more characteristic of the sexes. Say you strike a 40-barrel bull, poor devil. All his comrades quit him. But strike a member of the harem school and her companions swim around her with every token of concern, sometimes lingering so near her and so long as themselves to fall a prey.